1: There were things that William James thought would help us get through this world as best we could. William James wasn't sure he'd really ever had any experiences of God, but he said he had had an experience of being laid low in life, and that gave him a vision of what this way to make life better might be. It was one where he stood facing the abyss of despair. He describes that experience in his book, Varieties of the Religious Experience, disguises it, though, as a personal story shared with the author by an unnamed Frenchman, though James would later acknowledge the story as his own. The Frenchman tells of coming into his dressing room at twilight one evening. Quote, when suddenly there fell upon me without any warning, just as if it had come out of the darkness, a horrible fear of my own existence. The man said that the fear of dread stayed with him for days. He woke with it like a pit in his stomach until eventually the feeling passed But though it passed, he never did forget that feeling of fear and existential dread and forever he said he had sympathy for those who felt likewise. I've always thought that this experience of melancholia of mine, wrote James, had a religious bearing. Asking himself why he thinks so, James, the Frenchman, talks of how in That moment, a few different lines of scripture came to him and he describes how he clung to them, I would say almost like life preservers in a storm and without which he is sure he would have lost his mind. Experiences of God, of the holy, something that breaks through and rescues us from deep moments of brokenness, fear, or loss is one classic story in human religious literature through the ages, which is to say, in times of great duress, people often report this kind of breaking in and something, a voice, a presence, a light. A figure, a burning bush, a line of scripture, or of song. Something feels to them like it hooks them and pulls them out of the abyss. And that experience is enough in that moment to allow them to go on, but also... Something that shifts or changes their relationship to the world. Perhaps just the fact that something felt like it reached into them something powerful and personal out there in the universe. It gives them a different relationship to the world, often just that that carries them forward. Carries them through incredible life trials even, again and again even. I know, I've had such an experience. Yet talking with Unitarian Universalists about this territory of religious experience I have observed can be very fraught. To begin with, many of us came to this tradition because traditional notions of religion didn't resonate with us so being presented back with them and asked to hold them is something we can well, resent sometimes. Aren't we free of that stuff we wonder and brace? And I would argue many of us came to Unitarian Universalism because traditional notions of a presence we would call God, of grace, of rescue, of redemption, are not experiences we personally have had. And so understandably cannot relate to or believe in. It's hard after all to believe in something you haven't seen or felt for yourself. That would be a leap of faith, and we take those very cautiously, as I think we often should. We are, many of us, Jamesian religious folks, I would argue. Like him in the reading, we distrust often institutions, their dogma or at least we put all of that second to personal experience or or more broadly, you might say we preference personal knowing. Knowing is a complicated concept, religiously speaking. There is knowing in a secular sense that we're all familiar with, right? Like knowing where the supermarket is or knowing that if 3x plus 5 equals 11, then x must equal 2. Or knowing how the makeup of a substance is revealed in its mass spectrometry pattern. But we do have other kinds of knowing too. Ones I think we talk less about and that aren't nearly as scientific. Ones, I would argue, that influence our lives as powerfully or even more so. These are ways of knowing that are harder to explain or describe. Mushier, perhaps, to use a technical term. I wish we had another word for this kind of knowing, but we don't in English, not one I can think of. In Greek, though, there is this word gnosis that might suffice. Gnosis meant knowledge or awareness, and historically it meant knowing of a personal kind. Later, gnosis would sometimes come to me knowledge of God or mystical truths, but I wish we could leave it in that more open-minded, simpler sense of knowledge and awareness of a personal kind. I think there is this set of things that we know that we need a category or deserve a word for. I think you know the experiences I mean. There are so many of them. How many people have told me, for instance, at weddings or vow renewals, of the time they met their spouse or partner and knew immediately in that moment that this relationship, this person, was the one they wanted to spend their life with? My dad is one of those people. He met my mom for the first time at an audition at which they both showed up, and he told his friend on the way home in the car that he'd met the woman he was going to marry. Fifty years later, his knowing is still proving true, my husband did the same thing. How many people have I met? who have come to this city of San Francisco or the Bay Area and said they knew it was the place they were meant to be. One came as a boy and told me he planned and schemed for years how to get back, finally convincing his very East Coast, apparently very controlling mother that the residency he needed for his field could only be completed excellently here in San Francisco. And so made his escape. Another, a woman who came in her 40s, told me about how she went home and laid plans for changing jobs and uprooting that took her a full year to make happen. And both of them spent the rest of their lives in a city that they knew was home the moment they set foot here at 10, at 40, There are people who know what they were meant to do in life. Feel it the first time they do it or see it. A childhood friend of mine from when I was little in LA who picked up a guitar at age five and never put it down, not really, never wanted to do anything else and who's now an award-winning composer and professional jazz musician. We are people who can feel called, not interested, but called to a profession, to a person, to a place, and in ways that for us are not rational, not explicable, but also unshakable. This to me is the knowing that I'm talking about. I'd imagine many wouldn't call such moments religious, but they are moments of anchoring, aren't they? Of life-changing understanding. And to those who have them when they have them, for a long time after they have them, maybe forever, these moments often feel important at a level and in a way that can also be hard to convey, except to people, perhaps, who have also had such moments. There are other types of this knowing or gnosis that maybe deserve a moment of mention. Moments, for instance, of knowing about a value or a commitment, something about life that becomes unshakable for you. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. and his exposure to nonviolence, which was a strategic choice for many, but one for him which came not as a strategic choice but as a commandment from inside the moment he heard about it and was exposed to it unshakably. I think of what Richard Davis Lowell shared this morning when he talked about kind of knowing this presence that he felt that he calls God that goes in and out of his life that he connects to at different times and in different ways and maybe cannot explain but he knows even when he feels its absence even in the face of his own doubts he knows exists that something exists that he is deeply connected to and in relationship to. I know that experience too, the ins and outs of it. For others, that sense of connection comes in nature. Often with this surrendered sense of being part of it in the stories I've listened to from many. This experience of Not being human and separate, but being part of this thing, this breathing, living, growing, dying, whole natural system, life entity. Maybe in a moment that we know we're connected to in ways that the rational mind will sometimes blur with ego and its illusions, but once or many times standing on a mountaintop or laying back at the nighttime stars and looking at them and being lost in them or dangling our feet in the river that we knew the real truth that is deeper and truer than the lie of separateness that we are part of all of this and it changes us The strength of such moments is that although their imprint will lighten over time, as it did for James, that sense that we knew something, knew something that we should not forget, stays with us. These moments, these experiential moments of knowing are commanding of the whole of us. And more so, in my experience, than any argument or book learning. Though I wonder if that scares a lot of us to admit or allow without censure or worry or disdain. Michael Pollan in his book, How to Change Your Mind, which many of us are reading and going to discuss this week for the Minister's Book Club, he talks about the history of another group of such moments. There is a wide array of them. And here's one thing about them I want to argue for. These moments I'm talking about, however they come to us, they're not irrational. In fact, in my experience, often what truths come to us make great sense since we even could argue for that all life is interconnected, for example. That experience at the river or looking at the stars, that for instance, is right, rational. And in fact, if we all lived it, if that experience and... Unity and interconnection was one we lived, we'd be in a much safer place with respect to life on this planet. Those moments of knowing are not irrational. Not always. What they are, I would say, is transrational. That is to say, they come to us as a knowing that is a knowing without argument. In fact, they often feel like they come from a deeper, wiser place within ourselves or from the world. We almost always recognize their wisdom and truth. And when we have them, we don't often feel the need to know from whence they came. We just feel lucky to have been gifted them and a desire to anchor ourselves and our lives in them? We recognize them, Plato might say, like old friends we forgot, old truths we forgot. We know things, you and I, There is this whole category of experience of things we know and know someplace deep and rooted. And I don't know exactly why I wanted to talk about that this morning, except except that I feel like for four years, all the things we knew in our bones, many of us, All the work we have done over the course of our lives, honing that deep awareness and presence and connection, that work to stay connected to those kinds of things and be open to revelation and wisdom from the deepest places that it has been under a bombardment of desensitization and hurt and damage, feels that way to me. And coming back from trauma then? Maybe it's religiously important. Healing, super important. Coming back into our bodies, important. Reconnecting and trusting relationships, important nurturing civil conversations in our communities and kind and respectful engagements that let us be open in our posture with one another. All this feels important, places all of the postures of ego and fear and hate, all of those postures I'm pretty sure block this gnosis or knowing and at our peril. And so to cast them off as fast as possible important because we need for the parts of me and the parts of you that can feel that fierce draw of the good and can recognize and connect with truth that comes to us and beauty that claims us we need to get back there Be alive to all of that as much as possible, as fast as we can and anchor there. All those places that at our best we sing about, like we have this morning and will in our closing hymn, that we witness and celebrate That we courageously live in our commitments, that we yearn to speak of and know it in the poetry of hearts alive to the deepest of life. So in that spirit, let's close this morning. Let's close in words that witnessed this week to some of those true beautiful and good ideas we knew in our bones were true let's close with words from the young gorgeous and prophetic poet Amanda Gorman who said on Wednesday morning may we rebuild reconcile recover and every nook of our nation and every corner called our country our People, diverse and beautiful, emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, of flame, and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. I trust we will know it when it breaks. Amen.
0: Sing a song full of the faith that the darkness has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun, let new day begun. Let us march Oh I <laughs> do